This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hey there, Hellions. It's Joe DeRosa here, announcing the start of your favorite horror and sci-fi and fantasy movie podcast. We'll see you in hell. Voice is a little groggy. Smoked a few cigs last night. Drank a few whiskeys. And you know the person I did that with. He's right here. Hello. (laughs) Patrick Walsh in the hizzy house, he hoes. Uh, in the hose house. In the hose house. I did not smoke any ciggies, by the way. I, I don't smoke. I want to make that clear. I think it's a disgusting habit, and it's terrible for your health. Well, uh, I'm having a hard time seeing Pat right now because he's way up on his high horse. <laughs> nee. Uh, I only smoked, I think, four, but four is enough. It's, it's too much. It is. Um, anyway, is since many. I forgot last time, I, I need to do this quickly here. Let's get on with the show and also on with the Joe Darling. Please believe me. What song is that? I knew you wouldn't know that. Joe doesn't know the Beatles. I don't like the Beatles. We were talking about Tomorrow Never Knows last night, and Joe's like, what, what's that? I don't like the Beatles. What's that? I'm allowed to not like the Beatles. No, it's fine. It's, it's a Beatles song. Uh, White Album, Oh Darling. Uh, that's the one that made Manson murder people. I think so. Yeah, let's all celebrate that record. <laughs> <laughs> Look, those people were going to get murdered anyway. Oh, Jesus, Pat. I'm sorry. They were, uh, they were unlikable. Tate's sister is uh, is uh, really taking shots at everybody now. Uh, rightfully what? so. She's like, I think it's disgusting that every producer in Hollywood is rushing to get out a Manson project this year yeah. for the 50th anniversary of this horrible event. I, I agree with her. Hillary Duff is playing Sharon Tate. And well, that's the like, one she okay. went after the hardest. Uh, she chose not to go after the hardest, the Tarantino picture. Sure. <clears throat> but she sure. did. She said everybody. Now, Joe, why did you tell Chuck Manson to do what he did? Well, that and see, and there's the problem. That was the mistake. I meant to tell Chuck Manson. There was another guy. Oh, okay. And I ended up, I said, Charlie, that's got to be short for Chuck. Yeah. And all I said was, you got to go paint the walls. And I didn't know I was speaking to a sociopath. Holy cow. And, uh, and he, he, so there you go. That's, it was just a big mix-up. All right. You know? Now, after you brought to light the, uh, the, the Sex and the City 3 controversy going on, mm-hmm. I, I went home last night. I get into bed. I, I Google Sex and the City 3 controversy. That's, that's where I was at. <laughs> and... Uh, there's some new tea, as they say. Tea is uh, now slang for gossip. I don't know why. Okay. Cattrall's brother died yesterday, or two days ago. Okay. And Sarah Jessica Parker gets on Instagram or what have you. 
with a heartfelt message out to Kim Cattrall, and I, I'm praying for you in this difficult time, whatever it may be. Cattrall swipes back, <laughs> claws out. I don't need your thoughts and prayers. It was one of the most savage things I've ever seen. Wow. And I'd love to, to read it to you now because that's what this podcast has become. I want to hear it. Um, Kimmy Cattrall. Believe it or not, I don't follow her on, on Instagram. Okay. I assume she's left this thing up, but it is shocking. My mom asked me today, when will that Sarah Jessica Parker, and she tagged her. My mom asked me today, when will that Sarah Jessica Parker, that hypocrite, leave you alone? Woo! Sarah, your continuous reaching out is a painful reminder of how cruel you really were then and now. Let me make this very clear, if I haven't already. You are not my family. You are not my friend. So I'm writing to tell you one last time to stop exploiting our tragedy in order to restore your nice girl persona, in quotes. Jesus Christ. And then she links to a New York Post article called Inside the Mean Girls Culture That Destroyed Sex in the City. Wow. So SJP is uh, apparently a bit of a demon dog there. That's correct. That's correct. Look, I, uh, I have... Yeah, well, you know what? I'm going to leave that alone. I'm going to leave that alone. I was about to drop some fucking tea my damn self about yeah, some folks involved with the production of Sex in the City. Don't drop no tea. And the no way tea. they fucking treat people. Don't well, drop no tea. All right, I'm not dropping. We don't need no tea dropped in this place. You got a nice hardwood floor. It'd clean up easy if, if I just dropped <laughs> a little tea. I'm you not going to drop it. You know what? I will drop. If anyone knows why it's called spill the tea or drop the tea i'd love to know it's probably from rupaul or something i can tell you why because we live in a nation of fucking children that's why that's why because because we live in a country where grown people instead of saying i'm cognizant of social dilemmas that we need to fix they go i'm woke these are people in their 40s are using terms that's true we live in the stupidest fucking culture on planet earth that's true but also one of the best because you can kind of do whatever you want and you know, buy weed for no problem and drink and yeah, but tell and make fun of the president openly or whatever you want to do. But at what cost? You know, well, at this cost. Are we even men anymore? Do we even know where we where we stand in the great cosmic circle of things? I was talking to somebody about like veterans. Yeah, like like I respect the hell out of all veterans, but just like the shift in the sh- I guess the post is kind of what handles a bit of this, but like. The the difference in the perspective of being a veteran pre-Vietnam and post-Vietnam, how right. different it was. Because I remember, like, meeting guys that were, like, in World War II that said, like, when I used to work with uh, elderly people, and they were telling me, they were like, yeah, I was 15, I lied so I could go fight. Yeah. I was like, I can't. That does not happen anymore. No, no. Well, you wouldn't be able to get away with it, number one. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't, it's, it's a different kind of vibe now. I'm not saying it's not honorable to join. I'm just saying it's a different vibe. Um, not our, not our president. He had, uh, bone spurs. Yeah. So Have the, any of them fought? Has any president ever fought? <laughs> Pre- presidents used to fight. Yes. But I mean, like since but, Kennedy forward, I'm saying like, um, uh, no, probably not. No. Right. I don't think Nixon was out on the front lines. No. And I remember when Clinton was in office, like people would show up at his, sp- when Clinton spoke at the Vietnam Memorial, there was 
there was a guy holding a sign that said Slick Willie, the draft dodger. Oh, like, yeah. I think they all kind of. Well, I remember I think, everybody was bitching that W didn't fight, so he didn't fight. The amount of money you need to have to run for president, I think, is the kind of money that gets you out of going to war. But, you know, I, I was so. never in some sort of is the draft going to happen situation, thankfully. I, I would be. Uh, killed immediately in any sort of combat. Uh, Eminem was one of many musicians that claimed the draft was going to come back. I, I remember hearing that. You know, and it, I remember hearing that, and it didn't. Well, you know, like let's, oh boy, let's say this were to go another four years after this or something. God forbid, that would be the kind of situation where I could definitely see a Trump administration being like, I feel like these millennials are getting a little too soft. <laughs> Like I, j- just to punish people for like for like being young, I could definitely see that happening. Well, with the with with the millennials, it'd be hard for me to say, don't do that. Well, the, but <laughs> do we want them defending no. our country? I no, mean, no, no, no. That's going to be a problem. And I'm not I'm not at all a guy who who shits on millennials. I think they're probably much better people than uh, than a lot of what came before them. I don't blame. Well, that's. That's not, I just don't know that they're necessarily fighters, and I think that that's a good thing. I and I know I know they're not people who want to fight for this country. I don't think millennials are better than the people that came before no, them. But I also think, I'm not saying they're the greatest generation or something. I think they're I'm saying I, they're no different. They're I human think, beings. Yeah, like anybody. they're not as bad as people paint them out to be. I, no. And by the way, millennials, I've been meaning to say this publicly for years. You guys get a lot of shit. And I thought at one point I, I was cross with you guys. I'm not cross with you guys. It's your fucking parents I hate. Your parents are fucking assholes. Yeah, that's that's right. really what it is. But, I mean, millennials... Baby boomers broad, talking about? It's mainly baby... Well... Generation X? What are we? Generation Y? We're like... Gener- who fucking knows? That's what I was going to say. Millennials now is such a broad term. Yeah. Like, there are people that listen to this podcast, I'm sure, that are in their 20s that would be technically considered millennials. I don't consider right. them. When I think of millennial, I think of when I go to the, when I go to the woke cafe right, and uh, to, to get my non-gluten uh, rice cakes or whatever, <laughs> the girl in front of me that's like, you can totally go if you know what you want. I'm still thinking like right. that. That's who the millennial is to me. Right. Or the guy in there with the man bun that's like, I just, I just, you know, I like to feel things instead of think them. You know, that, but that, that, I mean, that's clearly a stereotype, though. But yes. No, I'm saying when I think millennial, I think that person yes, only. I think, but I don't that's think that's what most people think of. But I don't think all millennials are that person, is my point. Yes. Well, they aren't, of course. Right. So I, that, I, that's what most people think of. There are whole sitcoms devoted to just. Look at these millennials always on their phone. That where every joke is that. Hey, look at these adults always on their phones. Exactly. That's what I say. Exactly. That's what I say. Hillary Clinton had two phones for God's sake. <laughs> All right. They, they, want, they expect All right. these kids to All have right. different. I'm not going to go on a political thing. I was just making a joke. Like we don't lead by example. No. Well, of course not. And the all, the whole reason that everyone hates the up and coming generations always as they get older is because they are young. They are hot. They are going to have a lot of fun sex in the coming years, and your life is over. That's why they're hated. So they but lash my, out with anything they can find. My problem is I don't feel my life is over. I don't feel... 
Joe, I didn't mean you specifically. No, I know. I know you didn't mean me specifically. I'm just saying, like... I'm talking about, you know, the 60-year-old guy choking down his fourth scotch and, and giant T-bone steak. But even Talking then, about how all these millennials only care about their phones. Well, that's a stereotype, too. So you don't stereotype <laughs> in the other direction. Sure. Uh, the uh, But my point is, is we're uh, you're approaching 40. I am 40. I'm three years away. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say for approaching. My, from a distance. From a distance. The world. Remember how big Earth Day was when I, I was like nine, you were yeah. 25? Yeah. <laughs> I bet Midler had a whole special about Earth Day that I remember being forced to watch at school. Yeah, there was. Yeah, there were Earth Day specials. And and then now when the world is in much more trouble, you hear nothing about Earth Day. It's weird. It's almost like causes just become bullshit trends that nobody takes seriously. That's correct. Yeah, it's 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 weird. I've never noticed that pattern before. <laughs> Watch. <laughs> but here's my point. I know yes. I, I, I I I'm forty. You're thirty nine seven. <laughs> Just turned thirty seven. Uh, I I don't I I'm like why why are people our age and older so mad? It's like hey man, I'm still out here having a great time. We went to see Fu Manchu last night. I had a couple weed gummies. Yeah. I, I had a bunch of drinks with you and the boys. I had a fucking blast. I, there was not one piece of me last night that felt like, oh, you don't do this at this age. I was like, no, I, this is exactly how I rolled when I was in my 20s. I, I agree. But, you know, uh, this is also a time of life when the vast majority of people would be settling down, having kids. Or, or in, in a lot of cases, I think, married for 10 years or had kids for 10 years. Certainly the case with all my friends in Missouri, et cetera. And sometimes I feel like, I, you know, it's time to pack this in. But th- I'm getting married. So I'm doing it. You're but, not packing but, anything But we're in. late. You know, we are late in, the ter- in terms of I guarantee of the world. you when you get married, you're not going to pack a damn thing in. I'm not going to pack it in, no, but you have kids. You, each each one requires a little more of packing in, and I welcome sure. it. I'm not the guy who's like, oh, my whole social calendar is going to die when I get I mean, No. A, I have a fun wife, fiance, who I can bring out to things. Hold on, my alarm's going off. Hold on, Joe's alarm's going off. But I, I know tons of married couples, old married couples, who have a lot of fun. I, you know, it, it depends on who you choose as your partner. If you're miserable in your marriage, it's on you. You've chosen someone incompatible, you or ch- you're you're a bastard. All right. Well, that's and that's this is a new segment called Hot Takes with Pat Walsh. <laughs> um, Something for the new generation of married people. Yes, I think you know people are much smarter. Obviously, heading into marriage, I'm not saying anything new. That's, I mean, people wait a long time till they're 100 percent sure. I uh, because of the failed marriages of their of their previous generation. I absolutely could conceive of getting married at this point. Yeah, I absolutely would have no problem with it. I absolutely would like many aspects of it. Um, but I also think I would, if I did get married, I'd marry somebody that was like, "Let's go to the fucking show. Let's go have some fun tonight." I mean, if that's what, if that's the life you like, as you do, as I do, you have to marry someone like that. Right. You can't. The problem these people run into is, like, oh, my wife's always fucking nagging at me. Well, if you're partying five nights a week and you get married to someone you've cl- obviously been dating for a year at least. Right. You didn't pick up any vibes that she didn't want you going out five nights a week. You right. have to pay attention to your partner. People. Well, no, people think that they literally think they put the ring on in their life. And then it's like, now yeah. it's married time. No, I can't do anything. I think a lot of those people are also bullshitting to their friends and really enjoy staying at home watching movies. Because I got to tell you, yeah. I do. Yeah. 
I like to go out now and then, of course, but as certainly as I get closer and closer to 40, even though it's three fucking years away. It's not that far away. You know, I, I like staying home. I don't need to go out all the time. Hey, well, you know. Let me rush us over to Pat's movie. Well, I'm the, sorry. The, all right. Corner. And you know, I was holding us up over here. You're not holding us up, Joe. <laughs> this is why you're not going to get married. I thought we were going to talk a little bit about the Fu Manchu show. Oh, well, all right. Well, I, I know was... you got a hard out to go to the doctor, so. Yeah, I, yeah, I do. All right. And that's not everybody's business. <laughs> I didn't say that it was the prick doctor. <laughs> Uh, it is the prick doctor, meaning he's a prick. Folks. Now, last night we, we saw a Fu Manchu. It was fun. Um, I will say, more than any other band, you go see a Fu Manchu show, your nose is assaulted with smells of stale old gas coming from <laughs> large bearded men. Uh, assaulted. I I didn't smell any gas, but... Uh, oh, my God. I was getting hit from all sides. <laughs> Did you have a good time? I had a great time. I had a great time. I love I love Fu Manchu. It was very fun. And uh, I I talked a little bit about this. You know, they're they're not metal or something, but they're like kind of a, a stoner rock band, pretty hard rocking. Man had his whole family up on stage. He, <laughs> he brings his little girl up to sing like the, the hook of one of the songs. A weird beard. And I'm sure a lot of people were like, fuck this. That's not rock and roll. But again, getting older, folks. I thought it was kind of sweet. I thought it was sweet, too. Yeah. Uh, I Wife's up there cheering him on as his, you know, his daughter comes up and, hit and takes the mic. It was awesome. Yeah, it was very lovely. Yeah. It was also nice that his daughter had those, like, ear protector headphones on. You have to do because that with kids. I've seen people with their babies and kids at concerts. I'm like, what are you fucking doing right now? Yeah. So I like that he's also a responsible parent. Uh, I, I had a great time. I loved seeing them setting up their own stuff. They're a real grassroots band. Yes. They put all their records out on their own label. The set list was killer. It was an awesome show. I had a great time. was. And then uh, me, Joe, our buddy Vince Averill, and a couple other friends went out in uh, what's known as Boys Town. <laughs> WeHo, West Hollywood. Yeah. And uh, never felt more welcomed. Uh, I had a good time. I was catching a little bit of a weird vibe from the bartender when I was buying drinks, only because I think he knew we were four straight guys, and I think he might have thought we were there to smack heads or something. Yeah, and I don't blame blame a guy in a gay bar thinking, sure, are these four straight guys going to cause any problems in here i mean there certainly has been a history of it so but i but i think like we were also you know we rolled up on our harleys yeah uh, we had the leather jackets and etc yeah and my i was wearing my uh my my short shorts that say <laughs> exit only on the back <laughs> um, so nobody like that it, it, well, it is interesting over there because the troubadour is like just this rock club and then if you want to go to any bars in a three-mile radius, they're like hardcore gay nightclubs. Like yeah. They're like rage, heat, ass. You know, like they're all like these one-word intense names. One was called Flaming Saddles. Flaming Saddles. Which is the, that's the most direct name I've ever yeah. seen on a. Um, so, you know, I was kind of like, well, where else are we going to go? But it, but I, I, I thought it was fun. I never hang out over there. I, I go to the Halloween parade once in a while. It's always fun. I had a good time. It's a I was fun part of town. I was on a couple uh, weed gummies, as I said, but yes. uh, 
uh, I had a bit of the paranoia, but not from the neighborhood, from you guys. I get paranoid. I was just talking to my own friends. I was getting paranoid still. Right. I was trying to Shame. explain things, and I couldn't. Yeah, you do some of that, but I was like, I it's couldn't. Not, it's not unbearable. Do you remember our uh, Uber drive home? Oh yeah, holy well, cow! That, that I got. Re- that's when I got really paranoid. That why well, I, I I was not high and very paranoid as well. This guy picks us up. I was worried that you were going to go off on him, and if you hadn't been high, I bet you would have, because I know one of your big pet peeves is when you ask a Lyft driver to go through a drive-through, yeah. and they refuse. So Joe says, "Hey." Is there any chance you can run us through a drive-through real quick on the way home? And he goes, just a flat no. And he, you're like, oh, okay. And he goes, yeah, you know, I got to get back over here to West Hollywood by the big money time, which is 2 a.m. when the bars let out. So I need to just drop you guys off real quick and get back. I'm like, but even I thought it was a little ballsy, but you, you took it in stride. I was, I was too, uh, I was yeah. too in my head. The, uh. Yeah, I mean that's a real beef with that I've got with these Uber drivers and these Lyft drivers. They're now doing the thing where they're saying like, "I'd prefer to take you here instead of there," yeah. and I'd prefer to. Hey, then don't be a fucking cab driver. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, you don't get to bend the job to what suits you at that moment. It's just not right. It's, so, yeah, it's supposed to be a service industry. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of service industries, Pat, yeah. please, you got to get us. One of the bars off... that we almost went to last night. The what? One of the bars we we went to last night was service industry. I That's believe. what it was called? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. One of them was just called Open. That's correct. Yeah. Anyway, we had a good time in WeHo. We did. Uh, but, you know, I, I think you're forgetting the key part of this drive. The driver, Vince... You know, just talking to me and Joe mentioned something about uh, the show Chips. Right. And this guy, never looking up from his phone, brings his phone up. He's scrolling through it and then starts playing the Chips theme. Right. So we're like, <laughs> I said I hadn't seen Chips. He's talking to me about Chips. Then he goes, you guys know this one? Looks through his phone, not looking at the, the street at all, <laughs> and plays the Dukes of Hazard theme. I go, I got to be honest, I've never seen the Dukes of Hazard either. Does a full turnaround to look at me, and he's like, what? <laughs> then he just plays snippets of, I would say, almost 100 it sitcoms was, from the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Suddenly, we're listening to the Happy Days theme. He was going... And, he and was, he's Googling and scrolling and, and paying no attention. And he was DJing like where he would be like, he'd be like, y'all aren't ready for what I got next. And yeah. then he would hit it, and it'd be like the Knight Rider theme. Yeah, and, and he'd be like, like, and I know okay. you remember this one. Yeah. Happy Days, yeah. Like... <clears throat> I don't know if it was something he did to everybody or what. I think it's just because Chips came up. But then I was having a nice time. We're heading home. But then things took a very weird turn when he throws the car into yeah. an illegal U-turn. Yeah. As if he was in the, the Dukes of goddamn hazard. Flips around. And then there's people in the crosswalk like beyond the halfway point. Right. You're not even supposed to enter a crosswalk if a person is in it. People People flub that. But... They're more than halfway across, and he whips it at top speed, barely missing these two men. And then right. he like kind of laughs and drives off. I was like, "What? what's going on? I got out of the car. I had to walk home. But he was having a good time. I had a nice walk, a 2 a.m. walk uh, or whatever time it was, 
I walked a couple of miles or so from where I got out of the, the cab. Uh, it's a little scary. At, there's a lot of rustling from bushes. Even yeah, though it's a nice residential neighborhood, I'm like, I feel uncomfortable. I wouldn't walk through your neighborhood at night. It's a, well, it's a beautiful neighborhood. No, I know it's a beautiful neighborhood, but it's too. It's up on that hill, and there's too much. There's too much brush up there. Well, it's also coyote country, which I kind of forgot about. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know. And by yeah. coyote, it means because you live up there. The coyote has come to town. That's right. That's what Pat would say. He'd yell that through a megaphone to his neighbors when he first moved in. When uh, when I'm about to make love to my my lady friend, I like to say uh, the coyote. He gone howl tonight. <laughs> he gone howl tonight. And yeah. then I, I howl as I mount her. I'll start at the bottom of the steps while she's in the bed. <laughs> Whoever my lover is at the time. Yeah. And I'll 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 walk up the steps like this, like a shuffle kind of thing. Yeah. And just go, coyote gonna hunt, coyote gonna hunt. Oh boy. And I'll say that all the way up the steps. Now that you're you doing this on a, on a first encounter, I'll do it as soon as they get here. <laughs> I'll take their coat. I'll, I'll say, "Can you go upstairs for a second? I just want to show you something." Uh-huh. And then I'll do that, and that's usually a good gauge on whether or not we're going to hit it you're off. Compatible, yeah. Uh, how do you think that would go over though with with a woman that wanted to have sex with me and she's up there waiting and I just came up the steps going, "Coyote going to hunt, coyote going to hunt." I would hope there would be some laughter there. <laughs> I think that's the only reaction that you're you're good with because everything else is going to be sheer horror. <laughs> Speaking of sheer horror, folks, Pat's uh, movie corner. I got something for it. Pat's movie corner. Uh, I'm going to focus on some television shows today. Ooh, I am very much enjoying the. Uh, the Versace, the the death of Versace show. Mm-hmm. It's a fascinating program. It's very well shot. It's hopeless, just absolutely hopeless, dark. It's just despair after despair. Who plays um, Versace? Travolta or something? Versace is an actor you definitely know, whose name I can't remember, but who's a like one of the most effective psychopath serial killers I've ever seen. Is this kid I've never seen act in anything? I guess he was on Glee, named Darren Chris, and he plays the guy who kills all these men on this cross country trip. I didn't know anything about Cunanan. He plays Andrew Cunanan, but I didn't know anything about Cunanan or Versace. Um, Versace is barely in it thus far. It's all about Cunanan, but man, it's rough. It's just like it's almost like an American Psycho type thing, but without the humor. It's just like a all right real slog but I, I mean if you like dark shit it's a horror thing too by the way it, i mean it's it's horrific okay there's uh you know like scenes that wouldn't be out of place in a slasher movie um i also finally finished after about a year the handmaid's tale and this is no slouch on it i just for some reason it's one of those shows i didn't watch all at once i spaced it out i still haven't seen it it's very well done, and that has some real horror elements as well. I think the first half of the season was much stronger than the second. But, okay. um, yeah, it's really good. It's as good as people say. It's uh, right. very, very timely and good. I'll watch it. Uh, American Vandal on Netflix, the mockumentary about who drew dicks on the uh, cars. <clears throat> as everyone is saying, it's very funny. Um, it's worthy of your time. 
Okay. That's all I got. I've got two for this. I watched the documentary The Man Who Would Be Polka King. Sure. Uh, which is an older documentary at this point. I watched the Jack Black adaptation also on Netflix. Well, maybe I did, and maybe <gasps> those are my two. Oh, all right. Sorry, I thought it was our podcast. <laughs> uh, you want to come to the doctor with me, by the way? Any interest in that? Absolutely not. <laughs> no. Just for moral support? I, I had a friend like that in high, sc- or high school where like, once he got his license, he'd be like, would, would you mind just come with me to like my, my grandma's funeral or whatever? Like, he couldn't be alone. Like, I, I'd, why would I ever go to your grandma's funeral? Well, I'll tell you what. You come to the doctor with me, I'll buy you ice cream after. <laughs> I can buy my own ice cream. But it's nice when another man buys it for you. <laughs> Didn't you learn anything in WeHo last That's night? That's true. It's true. Uh, so, uh, listen, I, I watched The Man Who Would Be Polka King, which is a really, really fascinating documentary. It's very short. It's, about, it's a little over an hour, I think. Uh I, I loved it. I, I thought it was great. I thought it was a great portrayal of this guy. I'm blanking on the guy's name, but he was the polka king of Pennsylvania. Became essentially a national celebrity when the polka craze was happening in the 80s. Um, Is this who John Candy was portraying in Home Alone? The polka king of the Midwest? I'm sure it was an adaptation of that guy. You okay. know what I mean? Right. Like, or, or a play on that. But uh, But what happens is... He has this idea that he'll have people invest in him for his dream to create a polka empire because his fans are very loyal. He then says, uh, I'll give you 20% interest on your returns. The bank's offering you six. People do it. Uh, And, of course, it spirals out of control. He can't keep up with it. It turns into a pyramid scheme. He's robbing Peter to pay Paul, that whole thing. Ends up going to jail for a few years. Um, but what I liked about the documentary was there was an interesting, there's no doubt that something shady was going on with him in my head, but I did like that. They kind of took a, 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 a balanced approach to it where some of the people were saying he's, he's the, he's human scum. He's the worst person on planet earth. He took advantage of us. And then other people are saying, no, there were a lot of people that actually made their 20%, and the people that are pissed off right now were the ones that were being very greedy and actually trying to take advantage of him by putting way, way too much money in to get, to get way too much money back. Right. So, you know, it's always more interesting when it's a little bit of a balanced perspective, and it's not yeah. just saying this guy's the bad guy. The movie does that, too. I thought the movie treated him fairly considering what he did, but they also didn't let him off the hook. Uh, the movie was okay. The documentary is better than the movie. I mean, the documentary, the pacing of the doc is better. The unfolding of the story is better in the doc. The movie starts jumping into things so quickly that I'm like, are they just assuming we've all seen the documentary already? Yeah. Because if I hadn't watched the documentary, I would have been like, wait, what's, what's, why is he asking these people for an investment seven minutes into the film? Like, right. But Jack Black delivers. He's great. Um, uh, Jenny Slate delivers. She's great. Um, Jason Schwartzman delivers. He's great. It's a. It's a. It's you know. It's not a bad movie. Is it supposed to be funny? Yeah. Right. In fact, the documentary starts very jovial and mm-hmm. funny and and odd, and then it takes like a real hard left turn and gets super dark. And I was kind of sad that the movie didn't do that too. The movie keeps its 
its spirit throughout. Uh-huh. And some really dark stuff happens. Like, and I, right. I, 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 I wanted the movie to go a little deeper into that tone wise, but, uh, but it's not a bad film. But I, I would suggest watching the documentary first, though. All right. All right. Yeah. So there's your movie corner. Fantastic. Why don't we just get into what we're reviewing today? I love it. You because got nothing we're for scary at... stuff. No, no scary stuff today. All right, and no, no interesting news stories. Brain shots is dark this week due to the untimely death of John Mahoney. Yeah, but we, we gave did. him a little tribute. I'll do a quick crane. I'll do a quick crane shots. I'll do a line. One of my favorite lines that I want to mention on the show. Uh, at some point in the series, Frazier has sex with Roz. Uh, when they're both dr- feeling drunk and vulnerable. And uh, they both regret it, and, but they remain friends. But uh, in the next season, they're arguing, and Roz tells Frazier he's got an ego when it comes to sex. She's like, your ego is so big. And he goes, I don't remember hearing any complaints, Roz. In fact, I recall someone using the term stallion-like. <laughs> And Roz goes, I never said of it, said that. And Frazier goes, well, one of us said it. <laughs> uh-huh. It's a very funny joke. He's re- so he referred to himself as, as stallion-like during sex. During sex. That's, that's funny. It's hilarious. It's very funny. I, you've, you've told me it within the, the week, so I'm not laughing. Well, I it. told you, yeah, I told you a week ago, and you stepped on the punchline when I told you by going, he had sex with Roz? <laughs> well, I, it threw me for a loop, frankly. <laughs> But I did say at the time I was going to say it again on here, so I don't want yes. to make it sound like I'm just repeating things. We have uh, a better friendship than that. We do. Um, we're talking today about, let's say, two films, Blade and Blade Trinity. Blade, oh, Jesus Christ. We're not talking about Blade Trinity. I haven't seen it. We're talking about Blade and Blade Two Cruise Control. <laughs> That's the title of it, correct? Yes. Still, it's bl- just called- still Bladen'. It's just called Cruise Control. It does, it's not called Blade 2 Cruise <laughs> yes. Control. Um, yeah. I had seen both Blade and Blade 2 in their theatrical releases and not since. Um, so it was kind of like watching them with fresh eyes. And I thought they were both really good pictures. They're awesome. Blade, um, and I watched a little bit of the supplements, David Goyer. Uh, actually, and I, I did, even though I haven't watched Blade Trinity yet, I watched him on the Blade Trinity disc because when I looked up the, the little set that I have, you can get all three of these movies for 10 bucks I have him on, on Blu-ray. A, I have it on a DVD four pack and the okay. fourth movie, you know, those ones where it's like yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the four sections on the front and the fourth movie is the TV Blade movie. Wow. That was the pilot for the show, TV show. Uh, the full-length feature, the feature-length pilot starring Sticky Fingers from Onyx. Really? As Blade. Where did this air? Uh, it was on, like, you know, USA or one of those. Before every secondary channel became an artistic yeah. uh, <laughs> right, <exactly>. studio <laughs> making deep television. Prestige picture. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was one of those things. David Goyer... Uh, is very full of himself in the supplements. He, he's also did many, many things since. Your precious Batman versus Superman, etc. Brilliant. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't agree less. He, um, his pomposity because they let him direct the third one. It reaches such a level that 
in the third on the supplements of the third blade picture, Trinity. Goyer the writer sits in a dimly lit movie theater and interviews Goyer the director. Stop it. Stop it. Special effects were used. Stop it. To have the two men have a conversation. Stop it. So when I looked up the I got this Blu-ray box set for literally ten bucks on Amazon. I think now maybe it's fifteen, all three movies. I just looked up a review of the set because I like to know like if any, if there's a great documentary on there, I want to sure. know about it. Because sometimes the documentaries are like they were made at the time of the movie and it's just promo shit you don't want to watch. Sure. And they were like, whatever you do with this set, there's a lot of great material to get into. Make sure you check out this <laughs> Goyer on Goyer. And boy, did I. It was something else. That is ma- magical. Yeah. But, um, and also, clearly all this stuff was done before Blade Trinity was released and shat on because he is describing Blade Trinity as if it is the jewel of the, the trilogy. Well, it was supposed to be. Blade Trinity. Yeah. First of all, look, my beef with Blade Trinity is this, simply. I'm not here to see Blade's new partners. Right. And Jessica Biel and Ryan Reynolds got a lot of screen time in Blade 3. They're part of the team now. I'm fucked that. I don't want a Blade team. I want Blade. A lot of noise happening right now. A lot of noise. And here's what's weird. Nobody lives above me, and we both just heard a thump on the ceiling, right? That's true. So what the hell is happening? Santa Claus? Oh, God. Uh... I got to get my shit. I got to get out of this place. Anyway, I punched up a movie once with uh, Patton Oswalt, and he was he had some stories about Blade Trinity. But it, he said, I think they're probably online somewhere. But he, he tells them in his act. Talks about like just this massive cloud of weed smoke emanating from Wesley Snipes' trailer. Yeah. Blade or Wesley Snipes would only answer to Blade. He stayed in the character of Blade. Uh, and then everyone else just kind of bonded together because Snipes was in the early stages of losing his mind, which have now gone further. <laughs> Snipes is one of the people forget because, you know, I, I doubt I doubt millennials even know who Wesley Snipes is unless it's because of tax evasion. Right. I mean, he was a huge star. Huge. Who, as far as I'm concerned, was never great in anything. He was great. It was great in like White Men Can't Jump. And, you know, maybe in comedies he kind of came to life. But he's a, look, he brought, he's a good he actor, presence. but he made shitty movies. Yeah, but, I mean, he had a presence, but, like, he... There's something so, like, unknowable about him. He doesn't. He didn't have, like, a star quality. I never knew anything about him. I've never seen him interviewed. Right, I, right. Yeah, I don't know. He's an, he's an odd duck. Right. He's... Fine in Blade. I mean, he's he's. I don't know. That is the part. But like like with all these superhero things, there's not a lot he can really bring to the table. But he, I like his little you know smile he does and his little quips are yeah kind of funny. But um, I think he's great in Blade. I think that's a hard part to play. It is. And I li- I'm not saying it to be contrary. I'm just saying I, I I like I like him a lot in that role. I think it's the role he was born to play. A, a role a developed sh- for one LL Cool J. Really? Yeah. That, not, I love LL, but I would not. It's that's too distracting for me. I agree. Uh, I, I. Well, let's. Well, Blade now. Blade Trinity. Even though we're not. Well, I guess now we are. Kind well, of let's start right. at the beginning. We're, we're hopping around. Let's talk about who the man Blade is. Blade is a man whose mother, whilst pregnant with him, was attacked by a vampire. She dies. Blade lives, and he's got. All of the strengths of vampires, none of the weaknesses. He's a day walker 
He is not affected by sunlight. Um, and the guy who kind of keeps his cue, if you will, who keeps him in weapons and keeps him healthy is Chris Christopherson, who kind of steals these movies. I love Christopherson. Uh, he's awesome in them and has a the funniest line out of the whole uh, shebang is in two when he refers to Ron Perlman as nipplehead. No, tithead. No, oh, definitely called, nipplehead. Okay, because he calls then he calls somebody else tithead at one point. <laughs> okay, he All uses right. the term tithead in one of the movies. You are you sure you're not just thinking of nipplehead? I watched this yesterday. Blade, you watched Blade One and Blade Two yesterday. I watched Blade One two days ago. Blade Two yesterday. And he never says tithead. He said, he, but he does say nipplehead. All right. And I think you might be thinking of nipplehead. Look, I've 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 concocted crazier in my head before. Okay. So yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, anyway, Blade in the original um, is kind of going after one one villain who runs the underworld of vampires, and that villain is played by Stephen Dorff, who once publicly said he wanted a he wanted an origin movie for Deacon Frost of Deacon Frost. Yeah, he said he said he felt that there was an origin film there. Holy cow! Dorf, I mean, there's another guy that was huge. Yeah, he, I, I don't, I don't remember him being huge, but he popped up and stuff. He was certainly he was a good-looking guy. He had charisma and just never quite. He was connected. He was on his way to being the next Ethan Hawke for he was sure. To be yes. another Ethan Hawke. Yeah, and it just didn't turn. Was over. it a drug flameout? A temper flameout? He seemed to have an ego, obviously. Uh. I don't know what happened to Dorf. He came I, back in that Sofia Coppola movie somewhere, which was excruciatingly boring. I mean, he's in stuff. It's not like he's not working. Yeah. But he's not, you know, I think they thought that kid started in the gate, for Christ's sakes, when he was like 12. Right. Great horror movie. Great horror movie. Never saw the gate. Oh, we should do a commentary on All that right. Um, but yeah, Blade One was directed by this guy, Stephen Norrington, who I looked up and kind of didn't direct again, which is nuts because it's really visually incredible to the extent that Guillermo del Toro, who directed Blade Two, right, talks at length about how he didn't have to do much work because Norrington had done such an amazing job as a visual stylist and everything. And then Guillermo del Toro will probably win Best Director and Stephen Norrington, I assume, is... Eating fish and chips somewhere. It, now, if it was the 90s right now, it would cut to a commercial of E! True Hollywood Story. The Blade Curse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everybody's gone down. Pat Oswalt never did another vampire movie again. <laughs> That's true. Uh, uh, yeah, it's um, Blade 1. The most memorable scene by far is the opening Blood Rave. It's uh, awesome. It's just an awesome scene. Like, you can't look away from it. It looks incredible. Uh, it's to awesome. The, to the point that they reference it in two. They walk into a rave and Blade's like, again, that kind of thing. Yeah. My favorite part in one is when uh, when they're like torturing him. Yes. And, uh, and he, you know, he's becoming weak and whatever. And then he like breaks out of the tortured stuff and he's going to go kill all the vampires. Yeah. And uh, Christofferson, I believe, is the one that goes... You need these and throws them the sunglasses yes. that fly. I'm getting chills. Fly through the <laughs> air in slow motion. He catches them. The second he catches them, the techno music kicks in. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a like, great oh, scene. He's going to go murder all the vampires. That's a pretty great sequence. 
I thought that was in Blade Two. I might, I might be mixing them. They up. do a they do a variation okay. of it in Blade Two, where it's like it's at the end of Blade Two. It's very much y'all know what time it is. Yeah. Now you know y'all know what time it yeah, is. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's but they set it up in Blade, Blade Time. I. Uh, I realize I'm aside of from Pan's Labyrinth. I might not be the hugest Del Toro fan. I thought that I was. I I, I like to say that I really love him, but there's something so hollow about his movies that they're they're all uh, visuals. They are incredible visuals, and that's that's enough for me. But I never, in, including The Shape of Water, which is supposed to be his big emotional movie. I didn't feel anything in it. Uh, so I prefer Blade 1. I know you said you preferred Blade 2. Blade 2 has way cooler creatures, um, effects, etc. But there's well, something about the, the, the story of Blade 1 that just works better. It's a tighter script to me. I'll say the same thing I say about John Wick. I think John Wick 1 is a better story. Yes. But I enjoy watching John Wick 2 more. Okay. It's 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 because because Blade Two does exactly what John Wick Chapter Two does. They take everything you know, yeah. and they're like, "But now, what if it, you got to see all the stuff you didn't get to see?" Right, and it's and that's that's very cool. And and Del Toro does a really good job of introducing the characters into the movie. The second one, I love that it opens with him rescuing Whistler. Yes, uh, I love that it's. Um, uh, what's it called? The, um, the, the 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 design of the vampires, or those like whatever those mutant vampires. That that's a very I forget what they're called, but that's a cool design. And it's cool it, stuff. They do the, an autopsy in the middle of it that's like incredibly disgusting and yeah. goes on and on. It's got great effects. And what's great his effects. face is great in it too. Uh, Reedus, Norman Reedus. Yeah, I, I'm as, indifferent to him, but sure. Like the scrappy. I didn't know he'd been acting for so long. Yeah. He's been around for a while, but I I, I, I liked him and it, and uh, I also like I also here, my here's my one gripe with Blade Two and with most vampire movies, and this is what I like about one of the cool things in the Fright Night. I'll get to that after this, uh, but in Blade Two and a lot of vampire movies, is, I get it. The vampires drink blood. I get it. <laughs> it's not the only thing you'd ever eat. Do you know what I mean? Okay. So, like, there's, like, dinner. You want, you want a scene of Blade sitting down at Zanku Chicken and having a meal. <laughs> Not, well, Blade does eat regular stuff. He uh-huh. just gets those shots. Yeah. But, like, every scene with the terribly old vampire who's, like, the head of the the whatever, his daughter. Yeah. You know, he has yeah. the daughter that betrays him or whatever. Every scene where he's eating, it's, like, plate with a blood shaped, like, steak on it. Glass of blood. <laughs> Blood jello for dessert. Gets up from the table. Gets into a blood hot tub. You're like, right. it's just, look, I need uh, vitamins to Takes survive. Takes a shit in a blood toilet. Yeah, it's like, just just have, there, the, which, which is one of the cool things in Fright Night, and they talk about this in the documentary about it. Um, Chris Sarandon says that he pitched to the director. He was like, I, I, I pitched, what if he's always eating fruit? Uh-huh. And and uh, he goes, because, you know, vampires are bats. Maybe at this one point, this guy had some fruit bat in him or something. And, uh-huh. and it's it's a cool detail. He sucks blood. He has to do it. But then he's, he eats an apple. He's eating an orange <laughs> at one point. 
Um, Break it up a little bit. I I certainly get why in a vampire movie you'd want to have them eating blood. It's visually cool. It's what you know about vampires. I've never had any issue with it. But if you need uh, Dracula sitting down at Pizza Hut, um, <laughs> you write it. it. You know, write the movie you you want to see. <laughs> Pizza Hut Dracula, uh, a Jodorosa film, coming to certainly not a theater near you. Pizza Hut Dracula. <laughs> PhD, bitch. That's, the, that's his catchphrase. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and here's the thing. He delivers pizzas for Pizza Hut, yeah. and then he drinks the blood of the people he's delivering them to. The only thing crazier than the breadsticks is me. Uh, yeah. So Who has I, crazy breadsticks? Is that Papa John's? That's a. I believe Little Caesars is crazy the, bread, is the yeah. place that where they question the pizza, sanity pizza. of the food. Crazy, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, big, always big in our house. And I, I, even as a kid, every Sunday night we would get you know pizza, pizza, Little Caesars, and I would be like, Mom, don't you think two large pizzas for five dollars? Like, what what could the ingredients be? <laughs> even as a kid, something didn't sit right with me. And, it wasn't awful, but you, you did wonder what they had to be making money off it. So what did they use? I worked at Little Caesars. I thought it sucked. Okay, yeah. I thought their pizza sucked. I haven't had it recently. It might be good now. I mean, for the price, it's but it's I, uh, a lot of food if that's what you want. I grew up on the East Coast, so I had a lot of real pizza that I could get to. And if it wasn't, if you weren't going to get real pizza, yeah, it was Pizza Hut and nothing else. Everything else was like you, you because Pizza Hut was its own. It is it's its own thing. It's weird. Yeah, I, I got. I never had a beef with Pizza Hut. I haven't been in years. I always liked those big uh, dark red cups that they offer. Yeah, yeah, it's great. That that yeah, that smoky atmosphere kind of feels <laughs> yeah. like a meeting room for the departed. <laughs> yeah, with a salad bar in it. It's a great uh, Pizza Hut sit down was great. Yeah, uh, and then they went to Pizza Hut buffet for a while. That was awesome. But pizza is its own thing. It's like getting a chicken McNugget. You're like, I don't expect this in any way to taste like the other chicken things I Correct. eat. Correct. Whereas Domino's and Papa John's and Little Caesars, it's all edible, but they try to make a real pizza. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, don't try, guys. You're not. Just stop. Right. Just make a fucking big puffy cake that you put <laughs> sausage on top of, like now, Pizza Hut did. I've never had this, but have you ever gotten one of like the... Uh sweet pizzas like the no. cinnamon pizza i remember being, i haven't ordered a pizza in ages but i remember I, being on the road with bill burr uh-huh. years ago when i used to tour around with him and the commercial for the domino's oreo pizza came on or whatever oh, yeah, yeah. and he went on such a rant of disgust <laughs> uh, like w- in whatever bar we were sitting in it yeah. ruined it i i couldn't even i could never even look at it again right it was such a convincing rant of disgust yeah. like what is happening in this country that this is what people are eating yeah and uh that was the end of it for me fair enough yeah. i never had one i I'm, i don't think i ever had a cinna stick or anything of that nature but well i'll tell you this and i don't like it i don't like it i like a i like a savory and a salty versus a sweet i'm always a meat and potatoes guy over a dessert and cake yeah. Don't give me a thing that makes me think of a saucy sweet pepperoni flavor, and then I bite it, and it tastes like fucking oatmeal cookies. I hear you. Get out of my face with that. I don't want that. I hear Oh, it's you. got frosting cheese on it. It's disgusting. <laughs> Get out of my face. Anyway, this is... So, Blade... <laughs> <laughs> you prefer two to one. 
I prefer one to two, but I think a- anyone could agree, any fan of vampire movies would have to agree, Blade and Blade 2 are, are definitely a cut above in terms of these pictures. They're a cut above. The uh, mythology makes sense. The visuals are great. Uh, the the kickboxing is great. The fighting, which you don't usually get in these movies. And the special effects are great. Two particularly came out at a time where yeah. that CGI, was it was just becoming really looking good. It looked great. And, and the, some of the effects, especially at the end of one, suffer a little bit. And they show you. This is what I used to love about New Line. They used to do like platinum series dvds which are like they had they were the almost like criterion level supplements i keep saying supplements jesus christ and they had um the a full discussion with everyone on what worked and what didn't work about blade um they're like laughing about how bad the original ending was and they were like boy people hated this ending they were like people were polite enough to stay till the credits to give us their thoughts but you could tell they all wanted to leave kind of thing (laughs) but uh and they show you it in full on the DVD, and right. Steven Dorff just turns into a big oozing mass of blood, and the blood is, like, coming at Wesley Snipes. They were like, everyone loved Steven Dorff, and the second he became a pile of blood, and we all knew this might not work, uh, people just really turned against the movie, and they show you the whole thing. Then, in the midst of the blood, like, a little like cheesy, almost like a Max Hedrum graphic of Steven Dorff appears in the blood and is like, having fun, Blade. <laughs> Enjoying yourself, Blade. It's so stupid. Nobody wants a caddy vampire. No. And then, you know, what they wound up doing, he, he cuts Dorff in half, and then you see him stretch, and the blood kind of pulls him back together. Yeah. It's, it's much cooler, but it's also kind of dumb, too. Um, all right. Blade 1 and Blade 2. Take your pick. They're both excellent. Blade 3 kind of sucks. I think it's watchable, but uh, it's not great. Uh, and it was supposed to be the, the piece de la resistance, if you will, because he fights Dracula in it. Oh. What a cool idea. Blade's going to finally face, face off with the number one vampire of all time. And, man, they just... Is it Pizza Hut Dracula or a regular? <laughs> I think that is the problem, is that it's Pizza Hut Dracula. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so, uh, the I was desperately trying to think of a, I want to suck your insert. Marinara? Pe- yeah, something. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's, that's your Blade Films, people. We love you. Good to see you. Uh, by now, I, I believe I will have announced it by the time this comes out, but I'm big tour in April. The Jodorosa In Bloom Tour for oh. springtime, uh, going all through the Northeast and the some of the Midwest and whatnot. Dates will be on my website, jodorosainfo.com. And, uh, of course, I'll be posting things about it as well on Instagram and Twitter. Jodorosa Comedy on both of those. Folks, we are uh, stockpiling these a bit because uh, Joe is about to go to New York City. I don't know when this will air, but... February 26th, Monday, 9.30, 8.30 Central. May have already happened. Uh, If so, drop February 26th, add seven days to it. We're going to air 13 weeks in a row, living biblically, on CBS. That first week, you're going to see Mr. Joe DeRosa in primetime. I'm very excited about that. It's a very funny show. It's a very interesting show. It's about something. I hope you check it out. I am on Twitter and Instagram at the Patrick Walsh. 
We'll see you next time, and we'll see you in hell. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>